source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. I'm sorry, we'll be reading out of, of uh, Genesis 32, but we're going to be starting with verse 32. 22. Chapter 32. Verse 22, the reading of God's word. That same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When a man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place, or the name of the place, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip of the socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let us ask God's grace upon us as we come to his word. Lord, we, we come before you and would seek to humble ourselves, Lord, realizing that we don't stand for Christ when it is not even dangerous to us. We don't value your honor. We don't value association with you. We don't find you precious enough even to confess you. And many times, Lord, not even precious enough to seek you out. We who name the name of Christ, we confess to you how often our own love is cold. And hearing of our brothers and sisters whose love is so fervent, that they are willing to give up their very lives, their freedom, their families, 
for the sake of Christ. It humbles us. And yet, Lord, the Spirit who enlivened the apostles, the Spirit who enlivened the early church and down through the ages, the suffering church, the church that has made known the love of Christ in any and all circumstances, that Spirit dwells in us. We are the saints. You call us that. You indwell us, Lord Jesus. That same grace is ours. And so we pray that you will make us what we need to be, must be, what you call us to be in our particular circumstance. Lord, that we would be wise and gracious and kind, that we would prove to be servants as Christ has served us. And in the midst of our manifesting the goodness of Christ by our words and deeds, that we as well will bear witness to him and others will see our good works and they will hear the good news of the gospel and they will see the love of our fellowship and they will be brought to Christ. And Lord, enable us as well to be faithful in supporting our brothers and sisters throughout the world, praying for their faith, their strength, their witness, their the resistance against the evil one who would dishearten them and turn them away from Christ. Oh Lord, may we go to battle with and for them. Bless us that we will walk in the footsteps of Jacob. And Lord, that we will prove to be Israel ourselves. Those who strive with God. Those who are blessed by God. And those who see the blessings of God reign upon his church throughout the world. This we pray, Lord, for your honor. Amen. Weird passage, huh? Weird passage. Jacob, interestingly, has this name that's changed, and you may know that he got this name because he was holding on to his brother's heel when they were born. And it means grabbing on to the heel. It came to mean supplanting, even cheating, grasping in not so good a way. Interestingly, this, uh, this stream, this river, the Jabbok that flows into the Jordan, it's in a ravine and about 30 feet across or so. But the very name Jabbok is the same, the same letters as the word wrestle, which are a kind of reversal of Jacob's letters. They're all related. It's a word play. So it's as though God comes along and Jacob's Jacob, okay, or Jabbok's him. The Lord supplants Jacob, the supplanter, and confronts him. So first we're presented with this wrestling with God, wrestling with Yahweh. At some point, obviously, Jacob realized he's wrestling with God. Maybe even earlier than we think, he realized he's wrestling with something more than a man. The prophet Hosea in chapter 14, commenting on this passage, says of Jacob, he wept and sought his favor. 
That is, Jacob wept and sought God's favor at this point. And so, here's Jacob seeking God, seeking his favor, seeking his blessing. And even though it was done so poorly and in such devious ways, he had always been seeking God's blessing, even when he fooled his brother into the birthright and then deceived his father to receive the blessing from Abram, from Isaac, I'm sorry. And so his name continues, and and here he is again striving with God. And many have pointed out that this is a kind of picture of prayer, but I'd like to widen that a bit and say it's it's really a picture of all circumstances for the people of God. In trial and in difficulty and in pressure and loss and tragedy and failure, disappointment and shame, there is a wrestling with God. It's interesting that the Hosea says, and the Lord spoke to us when he is accounting, giving this account. He spoke to us. That is, we are being addressed as the people of God. We are being dealt with as the people of God. Calvin writes this, It's right to keep in view this design of the vision, which is to represent all the servants of God in this world as wrestlers, because the Lord exercises them with various kinds of conflicts. Whenever we are tempted, our business is truly with him. He, as an antagonist, descends into the arena to try our strength. And since there is no kind of temptation by which God does not try his faithful people, the similitude or analogy is very suitable, which represents him as coming hand to hand to combat with them. Therefore, what was once exhibited under a visible form to our father Jacob is daily fulfilled in the individual members of the church, mainly that in their temptations, it is necessary for them to wrestle with God. He was named, in a sense, the wrestler. In fact, the the name of the people of God, those who strive with God, that's the new name. God must like that name. He calls us the new Israel. Those who strive with God, it must be essential to what we are, who we are as the people of God in relationship to God. So there's a sense in which your struggle with this or that situation is ultimately hand-to-hand combat with God himself. Yes, you wrestle with yourself in a situation. You wrestle with others sometimes sadly in a situation. We certainly wrestle with the world and ultimately with spiritual forces, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, but it really makes it interesting when you think about the real person I'm wrestling with is God. In what sense? In what sense is in every conflict our business truly with him? It's so intensely personal because It appears to be that God is keeping us from the blessing. Here, God was keeping Jacob from going into the promise, the promised land. He was standing in his way. He was throwing him down. 
And yet Jacob kept after him and after it, after the promise, in the face of God resisting him physically. It's a picture for us, you see, of God wrestling with him. And so for us, it appears so many times that we're struggling to believe and to trust, to find him, to know his favor, to have hope, to know everything will be okay, to know that we'll finally be healed and changed, or to know that I am forgiven or accepted, that I'll be used in his hands for good. There's a struggle to lay hold of God and his promise. Many times it seems like God is wrestling with us in the middle of circumstances. But let's up the ante a bit, wrestling with God, wrestling wounded with God. Wrestling wounded with God. And it seems a bit odd that it says the man seeing that he couldn't overcome Jacob touches his hip because you think, well, surely God could do that, you know, but apparently he's putting himself in a situation, God is, of a man's strength, and then suddenly, wonderfully, he reveals his power. Just touches the hip. Talk about hitting below the belt. That was definitely a blow. And at this point, you imagine wrestling, and your hip is dislocated. I've played football uh, enough to have two friends whose shoulders were dislocated playing football. And, you know, they didn't say, you know, i got a little something wrong with my shoulder here. I mean, they were on the ground, writhing in pain, screaming, making us all nervous because we got to fix this and we can't. And I uh, was with another friend who, uh, a, a guy there knew how to put the shoulder back into place and just to watch that happen, that was horrible. Well, he's wrestling and his hip is thrown out of joint. What happens in this horrible pain? He becomes like a boxer who's been hit and he's, he's standing, but he's not really there anymore. And he's holding on to the other boxer just so he won't fall. Get the picture of just painfully clinging to this man and you won't let him go because you can't, you can't do anything anymore. You're just holding on. Clinging in pain to God. And here, it's, it's as though God is saying, I mean, God does say, let me go. And, and it appears that I'm done with you. I'm leaving. It's over. And you'd think Jacob would get the message. Dude, you've been wounded. Let it go. Get out of there. Fall down. Roll over. You know, like somebody would say to a boxer, stay down. You know, he's going to kill you. I mean, he's just wounded you. And he hangs on to him, even though he just got wounded and he's hurting badly. He clings to the man, clings to the angel, Hosea says, the angel of the Lord, this revelation of Yahweh. And he actually says, I will not let you go till you bless me. How can you believe that you will be blessed by the one that's just wounded you? How can you believe that you'll be blessed by the one that's just wounded you? But this is the essence of his new name. You were Jacob. You were the supplanter. He requires him to admit who he is. What's your name? 
I'm the supplanter. Didn't come there with any good works. Didn't come there with any great resume. Came in there with just, my name says it all. This is what I've been from beginning to end. This is all I am. I'm a supplanter. (laughs) And wonderfully, he says, that's not going to be your name anymore. You have a new name. He who strives with God. And what was the striving? It was believing in God's goodness to bless him even when he was being wounded by him. It's his faith. His faith to believe in God's goodness toward him in the midst of being wounded. You strove against all providence that pointed to the contrary. You strove against all indications that God was through with you, that God had abandoned you, that God is not paying any attention to you, that God is against you. He believed in the promise over and against the action and the wounding. And so for you and for me, we wrestle wounded sometimes. We're striving to honor and please him and providence seems to turn against us in the midst of it. (laughs) I'm doing all of this and then you slam me. You put me down. I lose everything. Pressures or relational difficulties or disappointment or failure. In the midst of all your striving, he just dislocates your hip. (laughs) Thanks a lot. It can be something big. Many times it is. It's disease, death, loss of a job or relationship. Sometimes it's small. One of our singles in Dallas, we were meeting in our home at the time. And pretty good group of uh, 30 people in a a Bible study and we were opening up for questions and he kind of threw every the whole course. It was great. We went a, a great course, but he says, I've got something to say. What is it? He was one of the leaders, one of the guys on the leadership team. He says, I had a fender bender yesterday. It was just a small little thing. He said, but now I don't know if there's a God. He was like, what? He said, something about how capricious it was, something about it was just this little thing. And I thought, why this? Why would you do this? Why would you let this happen to me? He said, for some reason, I lost it. I just, and I, I lost sense of who God is. God knew where to dislocate his hip that day. In the face of seeming heartless, callous, cold-blooded, sometimes seemingly merciless, unkind providence. What must we do? And this is the last thing, wrestling wounded and believing. Wrestling wounded and believing. I believe that this is the essence of Israel. He who strives with God Or it may mean God strives, but the word uh, play ultimately is pointing to Jacob's striving. It's the tightening of the grip of faith when you're wounded by God. That's what believers do. Things get to be their worst, and this is why it is so important when we're talking about the persecuted church, that when the church is persecuted, his people tighten their grip on Christ. Think of blind Bartimaeus. 
As they came to Jericho, he was, Jesus leaving Jericho, a great crowd was leaving with him. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, beggar, <coughs> beggar, <laughs> yeah, from Alabama, um, <clears throat> was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we read that many rebuked him. Many were saying, stop, shut up, kids. I know you're not supposed to say shut up, but they were probably saying that because they were rebuking him. You're messing everything up. He doesn't want to fool with you. Shut up. This isn't the time. He's too busy. He's got to go somewhere. Shut up. Of course, he's like a crazy man who just gets louder and louder because everybody's telling him to shut up like he's deaf too, you know? I think of him, I wonder if he kind of did the fake like you do when somebody tells you you can't go in somewhere and you kind of walk away and you suddenly lurch back and say, okay, 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 I won't say anything, I won't say anything, I won't say anything. Jesus, son of God, you know? (laughs) He's just, he's not going to be turned back. Jesus, son of Nazareth, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he believed in the face of what seemed to be that he would lose Christ. And then, even more so, the Canaanite woman, that precious woman in Matthew 15, when Jesus went to the district of Tyre and Sidon, in a Gentile area. A Canaanite woman came, was crying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he didn't answer her a word. Yeah, that's Jesus. Can you imagine? He doesn't even speak to her. He says nothing. Ignored her, at least it appeared. You don't count. You're not worth listening to. I've got more important things. Sorry. And then you think, okay, that's it. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away. She's crying out after us. So he tells her. He doesn't even answer. He just keeps walking. And then a little while later, his disciples come to him and say, could you please get rid of her? She just, she's messing everything up. She just keeps shouting and shouting and shouting. And perhaps she even heard what Jesus said at this point in Matthew 15. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She might have heard that. Another word of this isn't for you. Then it says, she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I call that a dislocation. You're a Gentile dog. I came for the Jews. This isn't for you. Of course, all the while, (laughs) it was for her. And he came to save the world. And then she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. <laughs> She's like, how could she do that? And Jesus answered, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Here's the one that said providentially, it is not for you. I will not bless you. I will not speak to you. 
all the while intending to say to her, be it done as you desire. And that's what you and I must know, that when it appears that he is not listening and doesn't care and has said no, when he dislocates your hip, when you cling to him in your pain, you tighten your grip of faith and you say, I have no other hope. I'm going nowhere else. I cling to nothing else. I will not let you go till you bless me because I know that you will bless me. Not because I deserve anything. I'm Jacob. I'm a supplanter. I have nothing. But you are the God who promises to bless those who helplessly trust in you. And I ain't going anywhere. He calls it Pinea, where I met God. Here it is. You meet God. In some sense, you will be the wounded person clinging to his grace alone. Hopefully that's what makes us tender-hearted and sympathetic and merciful and humble before others because in a sense we're all walking wounded you know we all have dislocated hips but we're tasting the goodness of Christ and that's what we want even if we have to walk around with a limp we want Christ we're not here for all the good stuff of this world we want Christ and we want him seriously we want him no matter what else. And the church is willing to be persecuted if it can have Christ. That's why some of this American Christianity stuff that comes on the TV, <laughs> on that TV, to uh, promise health and wealth and to hardly ever mention the name of Jesus Christ is an abomination We honor him by showing that we're willing to give up everything for his glory. That is how we honor him. And so, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Let me just read this. If you want to turn to Hosea chapter 12. It's in the forest of minor prophets. <laughs> you can never find it. You know, it's always the thumb through there, but you go to the back of the Old Testament, it's actually, if you've got the Pew Bible, chapter 12 is on page 758. You've got the big ones, you probably can find Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then just a couple more, Daniel, Hosea. It's at the beginning of the Minor Prophets. And this is a, an indictment, as it says, uh, against Judah. But notice the Lord has in verse 2 of chapter 12 has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways and he will repay him according to his deeds. And then it recounts Jacob's life briefly. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, the supplanter, and in his manhood he strove with God, the very word used in Genesis 32. He strove and with the angel, he strove with the angel and prevailed, very word used. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. He, he fuses that event with God's promises, his covenant promises. He says, the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. And here's what he says. 
So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. That's the application Hosea makes from Jacob's, this event with Jacob. Wait for him continually. Hold fast to love and justice. Return to him. Give yourself relentlessly to him, Hosea says. And this word where he says he sought his favor, it's that word for gracious. We're in Exodus 33, verse 19. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Uh, Over a dozen times in the Psalms, be gracious to us, O Lord. Psalm 123, verse 2, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he be gracious to us. See that wrestling with him, continuing with him in all circumstances, looking for his favor as Jacob did. And so Isaiah chapter 30 Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And so we pray for him to be gracious to us. And brothers and sisters, here's the center part of our prayer. Whatever we pray about healing, whatever we pray about our finances, whatever we pray about relationships, etc., here's the central thing we pray for. Lord, may we know you. May we be conformed to your will. May we honor you. May we be used by you. Oh, Lord, may we know you and trust you and adore you. Lord, may we be conformed to your ways and manifest you. Lord, may we be used to honor you in this world. And it is the people of the persecuted church that come to us and say, don't so much pray for our safety. Pray for our faithfulness. Because they're saying, we don't really care if we die. That's not the issue. We just want to be faithful. We just want to be faithful. And so, let us cling to him and not let go of him until he make us a faithful people in this place. Huh? Isn't that a great prayer? And they say, Lord, we'll not let you go. We'll not let you go until you change. Some of us have to say, Lord, until you change the trajectory of my life, the whole course of my life. You cause me to see the Lord Jesus Christ slain upon a cross, cause me to see your love showed to me in Christ that I've ignored and refused and don't even care about. Oh, Lord, I'll not let you go until the cross becomes precious to me. I'll not let you go until you begin to transform my life, Lord. And so we will be Israel, (laughs) those who strive with God and prevail. The idea is our faith prevails and we see him reign his blessings upon us, 
upon the church in the United States, how what a terrible condition it is in, and upon the church in the world. Oh, brothers and sisters, what could we do? What could this congregation do if we will strive after, after God? He must strengthen us even to do that. Thanks be to God. He saves us. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that the very desire to strive, the very desire to pray, the very faith by which we would lay hold of you, it comes from your hand. And so, in a very graphic way, we cry out with Bartimaeus, Oh, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, Lord. We can do nothing and are nothing apart from your grace. But when you lay hold of us, we have a new name. We have a new destiny. We have a new character. Oh Lord, lay hold of us. Enable us to lay hold of you and give us a faith that will not let you go until you bless us and bless your people around the world. Oh Lord, Bless us, we pray. Amen. A pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain, break radiant through the shades of night and chase my fears away won't you chase my fears away then shall my soul with rapture trace